guys, and welcome back to another episode of What Happened, True Crime Chronicles. This is episode 20, and it is part 3 of the Robert Durst Trials. Okay, guys, we are in the home stretch now for, the, for this uh, series about Robert Durst. I know there's a lot, which is why it's taken up three parts. Alright, stay with me now, and we're going to finish up in this episode. Okay, so just to refresh you all about where we were when we left off in the last episode, we were up to the first trial of Robert Durst for the murder of his neighbor, Morris Black, and he was about to take the stand and explain why he murdered and then dismembered Morris Black, whom he called his best friend, who lived in the same duplex in Galveston, Texas, right next door to Robert. Now remember, Robert had been pretending to be a deaf-mute woman in Galveston, to escape and get away from all the heat that was in them about the Susan Berman murder. Well, not the Susan Berman murder yet, but the Kath, about the disappearance of his wife, Kathy, and soon to be the Susan Berman murder. Um, Robert had been pretending to be a deaf-mute woman, like I said, and the only one who knew the difference of this, apparently, was Morris Black. According to Robert, anyway, he knew the truth of who Robert was. At least until he died. Robert had a habit of murdering his best friend, didn't he? So we are up to the part where Robert took the stand. He spent days on the witness stand. And here's what Robert Durst says happened that fateful night that he killed Morris Black when he took the stand on his own behalf in court. According to him, he got home one day to find Morris in his apartment, holding his, Robert's, gun and acting in a threatening manner. Robert explains that in the past, he had given Morris his key for different trivial reasons and that he thinks Morris must have made a copy of his key. Although he never says that he found such a key copy on Morris when he killed, dismembered, and then threw away Morris, and no copied key was found in Morris's belongings after his death that I've ever read about. Interesting that. Also, apparently, the two were such great friends that Morris knew exactly where Robert kept his firearm. Okay, so when Robert gets in the house, according to Bob, also Robert, right? Remember, he goes by Bob as well. Morris is in there. He is sitting at the kitchen table holding Robert's gun and acting extremely rude and belligerent. Allegedly, Morris then attempts to and threatens to shoot Robert. They struggle over the gun, and it goes off accidentally, hitting Morris in the face and killing him instantly. Allegedly. That's according to Robert. Remember, the only other person around to know what happened that day is dead. So, Robert, who then hid the crime by cutting up Morris's body, dumping it, and telling no one. So, if you consider his testimony credible... Durst admitted in court to using a paring knife, two saws, and an axe to dismember Black. And again, Morris's head is the only body part not recovered at the scene, and it has never been recovered. Just like Kathy. So who can say what that particular piece of evidence would show? Will the jury buy this? This defense of self-defense? Even though the acts that are taken after are... Anyway, defense attorney Dick DeGuerin instructs the jury multiple times during the closing arguments and during the trial itself not to pay any attention at all to what Robert did to Morris's body. He's attempting 
to completely distract from what happened. After the murder, he tells the jury nothing else is important. The dismemberment, the wrapping up of his body parts in garbage bags, him dumping all these body parts in the bay, nothing. None of that matters. Only whether or not he actually meant to kill Morris Black at the time that he was shot. Of course, we don't know what Morris died of because his head has never been recovered. And that's, of course, where Robert says he shot Morris. There were no other signs of fatal injuries to Morris on his remaining recovered body parts, although there was a lot of bruising on his torso and arms done perimortem, according to the medical examiner, meaning before or during his death. After a two-month trial and several days of deliberations, the jury finally returned with a verdict. Everyone stood there with bated breath, Robert probably already trying to decide which jail he's going to get sent to. When the clerk read the verdict, shockingly, the jury, all 12 people, found Robert Durst not guilty of the murder of Morris Black. I am not joking. Robert is just as shocked at the verdict and looks like he might pass out. I watched him very carefully. He mouths to his attorney something that looked like, they said not guilty, right? And you can see Dick DeGaron confirm this news and pat him on the shoulder and back. We get it, Robert. We were all just as friggin' shocked as you were. After admitting to the shooting and then cutting up this man's body and dumping it in the bay, he was found not guilty by all 12 jurors. He didn't attempt to help Morris. He didn't call 911. What he did do was too incredible to believe, and I'm still shocked that 12 people could come to an agreement that he was telling the truth about what happened. So Robert gets released from jail and kind of goes under the radar, at least for a while. During this time, he gets rearrested and thrown in jail for violating the conditions of his, re- of his release. One of the things he was caught doing was he revisited the house where he lived with and killed Morris Black in Galveston. Talk about revisiting the scene of the crime. There's also another case where he's seen after his house in South Salem. Remember when Kathy Durst went missing? After his house in South Salem is uh, sold off, he's seen back on that property. Now someone else owns it staring out at the lake in the back of the property. And when the homeowner comes down to confront this strange man on her property, he just walks right past her like he don't even hear her and disappears again, gets in his car and goes away again. But that's another story from the witness who bought his house in South Salem. Anyways, aside from revisiting the house where he killed Morris Black in Galveston, he's also seen by the judge in his murder case, Judge Chris, at the shopping mall, which apparently violated his parole at the time. I guess it was close to Morris Black or something. I can't remember why. But anyway, bad person to see you violating your parole. He gets rearrested again, like I said, and thrown back in jail. He's released again in 2006 and is given... He's released again, um, and in sometime in 2006, sorry, he's given a $65 million settlement from the Durst family and organization he's bought out of the company. Now, Robert Durst has a whole lot of money. Now, here's just a reminder of all the things going on up here to this point, okay? Here's a condensed timeline of the major events in this whole crazy situation. 
Kathy Durst, Robert's first wife, goes missing on January 31, 1982. February 1st, five days later, or sorry, February 1st, the very next day, 1982, somebody, a female, calls Kathy in sick to med school. Five days later, on February 4th, Bob reports Kathy missing. She is never seen again. Bob meets Deborah Sheraton in 1988. In November of 2000, so skip ahead a couple decades here, because there isn't much that goes on between 1988 and 2000, I guess Robert really wasn't feeling that uh, scared about his situation. In, in November of 2000, Janine Pirro reopens the investigation into Kathy's disappearance. This is the same month that Robert disappears and hides himself in Galveston, Texas, as deaf-mute Dorothy Siner. At this point, Susan Berman is still alive, but not for long. On December 11, 2000, Robert secretly marries his longtime friend, Deborah Sheraton. On December 23rd, just a week and a half later, in 2000, Susan Berman is found murdered in her apartment in Beverly Hills. On January 4th, the cadaver letter is sent to police in Beverly Hills. Eight months later, on September 28th, Morris Black is killed and dismembered. A week later, on September 30th, his remains are found, and on October 5th, the remains are identified as belonging to Morris Black. That's when Robert Durst is arrested for the murder of Morris Black. Robert then jumps bail after he posts bond and becomes a fugitive on August, or sorry, on October 16th, just 11 days later. Okay, you with me so far? On November 30th, 2001, after being on the run for over a month, Durst is rearrested for stealing that sandwich in the grocery store in Pennsylvania. Remember that? Okay. Now, he's in jail for the next two years being held for the murder of Morris Black. On September 23rd, 2003, Durst goes to trial for the murder of Morris Black, where just two months later, he's acquitted of the crime. I can't, I don't, I don't even think I can say that sentence without laughing. Not because it's funny either. In 2010, seven years later, Andrew Jarecki releases the movie All Good Things, which was about the disappearance of Robert's first wife, Kathy Durst. Robert watches this movie and decides, fatefully, to contact Andrew Jarecki. Jarecki performs a series of meetings, phone calls, and interviews with Bob and other people who knew Bob to create this documentary, The Jinx, The Life and Crimes of Robert Durst. As the interview process plugs along, Andrew starts to feel uneasy, and eventually he starts to become suspicious and worried that Robert may indeed be a killer. Without Robert's knowledge, in early 2013, Jarecki begins to share all of his footage and information with the police. One of the things Andrew has acquired is a letter that was written to Susan by Robert years before. This letter was found in Susan's belongings after she died by her stepson and held in his possession. He gave this letter to Andrew Jarecki because he was starting to have some questions as to Robert's involvement in the death of his former stepmother. This letter is in an envelope with Susan's address clearly printed on the front of the, of the envelope in green ink. Her address was in Beverly Hills. The word Beverly was spelled wrong, 
with an additional E inserted between the L and the Y. In the Jinx, Robert acknowledges when asked by Jarecki if he did primarily use green pens and why. Robert does admit that he does use green pens and has always liked them. He prefers green ink and furthermore that the ink makes his writing unique. Everyone knows it's him writing it and that's why he likes to use it. Fair enough. Let's not forget that. The irony is not lost on me that the man who originally filmed the first movie about Robert Durst and his missing wife was actually a key factor in Robert being indicted for that wife's murder in later years. Let's move along here. On August the 16th, 2013, Robert Durst is, arre is arrested again for violating a restraining order his brother had placed against him. This is his brother, Douglas. Some of this actually is, is in the documentary, The Jinx. So I, again, I would implore anyone listening to this podcast to watch that documentary. In early 2014, the LAPD reopens its investigation into Susan Berman's murder. In February of 2015, the Jinx finally premieres. Now this is out in the public. Just before the last episode of the Jinx airs, Robert is in for a surprise. On March 14th, 2015, the night before the final episode airs, the infamous final episode, where Robert says some truly draw-dropping things on a hot mic, Robert is arrested for the murder of Susan Berman. That's irony too. I wonder if he was watching it and knew what was coming. What am I saying? A narcissist like that? Of course he was watching. Robert's health at this time is in decline. He had hydroencephalitis at the Berman trial and had previously had esophageal cancer and a series of various other afflictions. Now we are up to the number two trial, the trial for the murder of Susan Berman. Again, Dick DeGuerin defends him against another murder charge. And again, Robert decides to take the stand. It helped him get off in the first trial. Why not do what worked before, right? One of the things that doesn't go well for Robert in this trial is all of the evidence from the jinx, of which there is plenty which was handed over by Andrew Jarecki and admitted into evidence by the DA in the trial. I mean, really, Robert hung himself. If Robert had never called Andrew Jarecki, I guess there'd be a whole different outcome right now. One of those things that was admitted into evidence is the envelope with the address in green ink that Robert had written to Susan, that Susan's stepson had given to Jarecki, and Jarecki had handed over to police. It is compared to the cadaver note that was sent to the police in the days after Susan Berman's murder. The cadaver note, remember, which was written in green ink with the word Beverly misspelled with an extra E between the L and the Y. This was some pretty damning evidence. In addition to this, the two writings are nearly, nearly identical. Both are in block type capital letters and most of the actual letters match exactly both writings. With Robert's own words being played for the jury directly from the jinx, where Robert admits that whoever wrote the cadaver note had to have something to do with Susan's death. He says that himself. It is kind of hard to ignore. He further admits that he couldn't tell which he had written 
when confronted by both the cadaver note, writing, and the envelope. When only presented with the actual writing itself photocopied on a separate piece of paper, he couldn't tell which he had written and which was the cadaver note. Later on in the trial, he actually admits that he was the one that wrote the cadaver note, get this, and his um, story there was that he found Susan Berman dead, got really scared that he might get the blame, and he wrote the cadaver note to send to police. Uh, it really, it cannot get any crazier than this. Okay, so another thing police believe at this point and are trying to prove, and you know, the DA is trying to prove in court, is that Susan knew more about Kathy's disappearance than she said. They even think that she is probably the one who called Kathy in sick the day after she was likely murdered to her medical school dean. Also, according to the police, investigators were about to talk to Susan Berman again regarding this information when she was killed. According to investigators, Robert was proven to be in the same state on the day of Susan's murder, but he cannot be placed directly in Beverly Hills that day, partly because he turns off his cell phone during the exact time the detectives believe Susan Berman was murdered, so his phone cannot be traced to cell tower pings in the area. I just don't know how Robert thought he was going to explain all this away. Another piece of evidence that helped convict Robert was again from the documentary The Jinx, The Life and Deaths of Robert Durst, and this was the absolute most damning. Are you ready for this, guys? This was the piece of evidence that convicted him, and certainly the craziest part of the entire documentary. In the final scene, after being confronted by the two writings and their similarities, the interview wraps up and Andrew goes off camera. Robert remains seated for a second, and then he asks where the bathroom is. He enters the bathroom and off camera, but with his wireless mic still on, obviously unbeknownst to him, Durst was heard saying to himself, quote, that's it, you're caught. You're right, of course, you can't imagine. Arrest him, what a disaster. What the hell did I do? Killed them all, of course. End quote. Here is the actual recorded footage of what Robert Durst said that day on the final scene of The Jinx. There it is. Your court. Can't imagine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
so that's pretty much it there um of course they did fix the sound a bit in the trial and it, the words were actually showing up so you could see exactly what it was he was saying this trial took about five months to wrap up as i said and when the jury went out they took only eight hours to reach a unanimous verdict i saw the verdict live i watched robert carefully and i was so scared about what the jury would do you never know what a jury will do never the oj cat case taught us that this jury did not come to the same conclusion as the last jury for robert durst did this jury saw robert for the serial killer he now was on september 17th 2021 they found him guilty of the first degree murder of his best friend susan berman and is later sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole this time he would not be walking out of jail to disappear somewhere with his millions and kill someone else robert would never leave jail again on october 22nd 2021 State police in New York finally charged Robert Durst with the murder of his wife, Kathy Durst. However, on January 10th, 2022, just a couple of months later, Robert Durst goes into cardiac arrest at California's San Joaquin General Hospital and dies. Robert might never have faced justice for Kathy, but he did finally get it for Susan. It does make me wonder though, if there are other victims out there there were r rumors and speculations of other potential missing girls potentially connected to Robert that went missing in places where Robert for sure was. Like I read somewhere that he was staying in a series of homeless shelters in some of those intervening years when there isn't much information about him. And in at least one or two of those places, uh, there were girls that went missing that were never found again. Again, that's just speculation. One thing I, I try to console myself with is that Bob Durst didn't seem to be someone who killed because he liked it. He did it when he thought he was about to get into trouble. He did it to avoid penalty. He thought he was doing it out of necessity. I'm not making, saying that makes it any better, but unlike the Ted Bundys and the John Wayne Gacy's, I don't think he fits into that same category. But in Kathy's case, which was likely his first victim, it was probably out of jealousy and anger. And maybe there weren't any other murders. We'll probably never know. And that wraps up the Robert Durst trials. And as for Robert, that's what happened. Thank you so much for staying with me all of this time for Robert Durst. It was a hard one. Please join me next time for episode 21 of What Happened, True Crime Chronicles. Until next crime.